my Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. That mesmerizing scene shortly after our Lord's resurrection, the astounding scene when Peter and John found themselves standing before the high priest and the Sanhedrin. The leading officials called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. The scene is astounding because of the boldness of Peter and John. Days earlier, they had been afraid to answer the front door. And here they are back, speaking to the most important leaders, and doing so without fear. In an article shortly after the article appeared in the Wall Street Journal, I believe on Easter Sunday, thereabouts, an article by George Weigel. He poses a very powerful question. By the early 4th century, Christians likely counted for between a quarter and a half of the population of the Roman Empire. How did a ragtag band of nobodies from the far edges of the Mediterranean world become such a dominant force in just two and a half centuries? And he offers a couple of explanations from different scholars. Maybe it was the fact that Christianity was a nobler way of life, that women were respected, the readiness to care for all the sick, larger families. But the bottom line is that these nobodies could not get over what they called the resurrection. They answered the question of why they were Christians with a straightforward answer. Because Jesus had risen from the dead. He is alive. Nothing has changed since then. It is because he is here in this tabernacle, because he lives, that we are here 20 centuries later. Because of this fact, Jesus had risen from the dead, Weigel goes on, the Christians knew how history was going to turn out. Because of that, they could live differently. They knew now that death did not have the final word in the human story. The fact that Jesus is alive, that we can touch him, that shortly in the Mass, we will receive his body and blood 
fills our life with meaning, a superabundance of meaning. It was that fact that gave the first Christians the stuff of heroes. It is the fact that he is alive that gives each one of us that possibility, that superabundance of meaning that allows us to be and to possess the stuff of heroes. Lord, we ask you to fill us to the brim with this realization, a constant realization, that you are really here. Because that realization will change everything. That realization will give us the capacity to work with inspiration at whatever it is that we're doing. When we are called upon to make a sacrifice of whatever sort, your presence will lead us to think of your passion. It will give us that extra energy to, to leap tall buildings, to do whatever. To come to the conclusion, compared to what you suffered for me, this small sacrifice is absolutely nothing. When we are confronted with any kind of temptation, whatever type, we will think instinctively, but he is here. I am not alone. Lord, help me. The fact that Jesus is alive, that he sees me, that he hears me, changes the style of prayer. You may have seen that very small, very short and wonderful book by Jacques Philippe on the art of prayer, where he says, never in our lives will we meet anyone who listens with as much interest or as much attention as Jesus. Nobody has ever taken our words as seriously as he has. He looks at us, he pays attention to us, he listens to us with the greatest interest when we pray. Imagine the apostles, especially the more thoughtful ones, going off after the Pentecost, after our Lord's ascension, gathering or just being by themselves in a far-off land as they went about spending time in prayer, thinking back to those times when they watched Jesus himself pray. We would do anything to pray like that. We think of the apostles as they prepared each one of them to celebrate the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Doing so, going back with their mind with that incredible memory of the look in our Lord's eyes there in the upper room as he instituted the Eucharist during the Last Supper. Because of our Lord's presence, each one of the apostles, each one of the first Christians had that instinct that was later summarized by St. Augustine in those words that he put in the mouth of Jesus, I am the food of the strong. We could say, I am the food of the hero. 
we would do anything to draw closer to our Lord in his sacred humanity. That is to say, in this awareness, this maddening, wonderful awareness that he is alive. As opposed to some an approach to the faith that would involve simply ideas or theories. St. Josemaria writes to us, We only love what we know well. That is why we need to have the life of Christ in our heart and mind, so that at any time, without any book, we can close our eyes and contemplate his life, watching it like a film. In this way, the words and actions of our Lord will come to mind in all the different circumstances of our life. And here's our, our role model. On so many different occasions, we have the need to access this or that other virtue, whether it be in industriousness or patience or order, above all, kindness, a genuine love for others. And to the extent that we can have our Lord's model, his example in our mind and heart, we can know how to go about this new style of life. St. Josemaria continues, In this way we become involved in his life. It is not a matter of just thinking about Jesus, of recalling some scenes in his life. We must be completely involved and play a part in his life. We must follow him as closely as Mary, his mother, did, as closely as the first twelve, the holy women, the crowds that pressed about him. If we do this without holding back, Christ's words will enter deep into our soul and they will really change us. Well, right there is our first petition to Jesus. Make it happen. Lord, I want to, I want to be another you. I am not content with simply being an, an interested bystander. Some years ago, not far from where we are right now, some of us went on an excursion to a, a historic site, and we walked into a room where they had a big multimedia explanation of, of how the blockhouse served the, the trappers and other people 200 years ago. There was a young woman there who was the official guide. So we sat down and we started listening and we started asking questions. And we kept asking questions. And after 10, ten minutes, she stared at us and she said, I just love this. Because you are really interested. Usually what happens during the day is people come in, they took a, two photographs, and within 35 seconds, they're gone. Well, here we are day after day, coming, asking questions to our Lord himself, wanting more than anything for his words to enter deep into our soul and really change us. We don't want to be tourists of the spiritual life. We don't want to simply go through the motions. 
We want to put heart into our spiritual life. Peter and John and the other, the other apostles were transformed by the fact of the resurrection. And they became unstoppable. Almost a century ago, a very gifted writer by the name of Robert Hugh Benson wrote a book called The Friendship of Christ, in which he says, the consciousness of this friendship of Jesus Christ is the very secret of the saints. It is the maddening joy of the conscious companionship of Jesus Christ that has produced the lovers and therefore the giants of history. It is the developing friendship of Jesus Christ and the passion that has inspired those lives that the world in its duller moods calls unnatural and the church in all her moods calls supernatural. He's talking about the apostles. He's talking about all the giants of, of salvation history. All those who have followed Jesus Christ and because of that realization that he is alive and that he has won that has propelled them to do Amazing things. Think of St. Josemaria. In the summer of 1938, when he had finally managed to get to a safe part of Spain during the Spanish Civil War. Anybody else in that situation, having suffered as much as he had already, not knowing where most of the handful of members of Opus Dei who existed at that time not knowing where they were or if they were still alive, anybody else in that situation would have, would have ended up in, in despondency, if not a deep depression. Well, there he is one day early in the morning on his way to once again spend time in prayer. He hadn't changed his routine at all. Later that day, he was to write to Juan Jimenez Vargas. And he said to him, Dear Johnny, querido Juanito, This morning as I was heading towards the monastery where I was going to spend time in prayer, I discovered a vast ocean, the most holy wound of the right hand of my Lord, and that is where you will find me all day long kissing that wound and adoring him. How truly lovable is the sacred humanity of our God. Ask him to give me a genuine love for him, because in that way all my other affections and emotions will be well purified. This is the stuff of heroes. It was because of St. Josemaria's ongoing effort to seek the Lord that he was able to do all that he did, that he was able to forge ahead in spite of so many obstacles. Some years before this took place, he finally assembled three, three young men, three university students, and gave them that first meditation. 
It took place in the outskirts of Madrid in a very poor area, basically a shanty town, where he borrowed a chapel. And he said it was the middle of winter, it was very cold, even inside during the meditation, those three young men were huddled in their winter coats and they were still freezing. And after the meditation, St. Josemaria took them next door where they had benediction. Anybody else in that situation would have looked at these, these three people freezing to death and thought to himself, this is just not working. But in the case of St. Josemaria, he looked at them, and as he said years later, I saw three, 3,000, 300,000, a vast multitude. We ask him for that kind of resilience, that operative faith. Even now during our own time of prayer as each one of us, as we think about all these dreams we have, our apostolic dreams, perhaps different challenges, but we, we call upon St. Josemaria, so many other great saints, our heroes, and we ask them to give us Give us that resilience that we so want. And above all, to give us this sense of what it means to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. Allowing him to continue his mission through each one of us. Our Lord's sacred humanity gives our life tremendous meaning. There's much talk these days of this insight of Jordan Peterson talking about how desperately people need meaning in their lives, which is obvious, but it's still a very powerful truth. And as you have no doubt come across, he says in some of his talks that people will come up to him and they will say to him, you have saved my life because you have restored meaning in my life. And here we are saying to our Lord right now, I am fully convinced, I am overwhelmed by the thought that you continue to live your mission through my life. That injects meaning into every single thing that I do. The incarnate word God made man, looks upon us with human eyes and a human face. Let us never take that fact for granted. Our faith is not something that is merely in the head, an interesting idea, a theory. He's looking at us with human eyes and a human face. In that look, we find the source of our joy, a love that is unconditional, the peace that comes from knowing we are loved. Moreover, in his eyes we see our authentic image. We learn our true identity. We are the product of God's love. We exist because God loves us. And we are destined to see him one day 
face to face, sharing in his very life. People could say to us, you're always so calm, so serene, you have this, this certain bearing of great confidence. And we could answer, because I know who I am. I am a beloved friend of God himself. I am an instrument of the second person of the Trinity who is alive, who sits at the right hand of the Father, and who loves me with infinite love. We were saying earlier that the awareness of, of the presence of Jesus, of his sacred humanity in our lives, has to give us tremendous resilience. That is what St. Teresa of Avila was getting at when she wrote in The Way of Perfection. Whenever we think of Christ, we should recall the love that led him to bestow on us so many graces and favors. For love calls for love in return. Let us strive to keep this always before our eyes and to do whatever to love him back. For if at some time the Lord should grant us the grace of impressing his love on our hearts, all will become easy for us and we shall accomplish great things quickly and without effort. This is our final petition to our Lord, to impress on our hearts that love of his for each one of us. Because what a promise, that everything will become easy for us, in a sense we will sprout wings. We shall accomplish great things quickly and without effort, in spite of the obstacles, because we will be working with his grace, working through us, that grace of his doing all the heavy lifting. We ask Our Lady as we finish. We ask her to do whatever to make us, to use that phrase of Robert Hugh Benson, mattingly aware of his presence, of his friendship. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me in this time of prayer. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.